There was a time when the wine world was ruled by the dark side, under the reign of the unmerciful god of snobbery known as Pretentious. And sadly, a small but influential group of wine drinkers continue to embrace all that Pretentious stands for. But the times, they are a-changing. And today, millions of wine lovers longing for the freedom to enjoy wine without ridicule are determined to make Pretentious passe. Grape Encounters Radio was created to provide a voice for wine lovers around the world who believe that the very best things to pair with wine are friends, laughter, dashes of decadence, and tons of fun. Wine is for celebration, not pontification. And Grape Encounters is here to make sure a good time is had by all. Here's your host, David Wilson. Peel me a grape, crush me some ice, skin me a peach, save the fuzz for my pillow, talk to me nice. All right, it is time for your weekly Grape Encounter, and I have a very interesting story I want to start today's show with because it has to do with a wine app, and there are a bunch of them out there. But none of them attempt to do what this wine app does. It is so incredibly cool. And frankly, if you're somebody who goes into a restaurant or a wine bar and is often disappointed by the fact that the recommendations that either the sommelier, the waiter, or whoever has made to you for a wine choice, then you're going to be, I think, pretty thrilled about the wine app called Next Glass. I have the COO on with me, Trace Smith, all the way on the east side of the country. Hey, Trace, how you doing? Doing well, David. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Now, there are so many apps that will let you look up wines, that will tell you how to pair wines and food, that will let you keep track of the wines that you like. But Next Glass really is an amazing app because it essentially tries to predict whether or not you're going to like a particular wine and we'll even pick out the wines for you based on your taste. That's right, David. We, um, you know, I, I think we there's there's a lot of like you said, great wine apps, great beer apps. Um, you know, the, the the beverage space is is well covered by any number of um, you know technologies and, and applications. And I think what what we've done is take an approach and said, look, there's roughly 81 million wine drinkers in this country, maybe maybe a touch more. And most of those wine drinkers are not reading your wine spectators, your wine enthusiasts of the world, which are great publications if you're a serious, advanced, knowledgeable wine drinker. Most people are going into a grocery store or a wine and beer specialty store or a local bottle shop or walking into restaurants and and buying wine, and they're sort of doing it off of gut feel um, if you're like me. Um, you're buying maybe the second cheapest wine on a menu, so as to not look like a total cheap <laughs> But we said, look, that, you know, this is a problem that's afflicting a lot of people, and there's not a solution that's scaled well. A lot of the other apps are great if you want to store what you've liked or read tasting notes, but there's a lot of people who can't really relate to you know, s- some of the adjectives that are used in tasting notes or descriptions, and they just fly right over people's heads. And then there's a lot of you know, what I would call intermediate wine drinkers who you know, are shopping on their own and looking for wines or, or beers that they'll be certain to enjoy, and, and they're 
very cautious. They're hesitant to, to spend money on, on what might be a better bottle because they can't be certain they're going to enjoy it. And so what we've done is try to take a little bit of the subjectivity and, and guesswork out of the wine buying experience. So let me understand this, though, because what you're doing is I'm providing feedback, right, on the wines that I taste. During the regular course of my drinking wine, I'm keeping notes, essentially using the app. I'm rating the wines, really, is what I'm doing as I drink them. But then you have these very complex algorithms that you use and explain that because it's way over my head. Okay. So our thesis was if you look at some platforms like Netflix or Amazon or Pandora, they've done a great job at making recommendations to the masses, whether they be for movies, music, consumer products. Right. And so we said, okay, how can you do that you know, in the wine industry where a recommendation is, is really much needed? I mean, I think that's where most people struggle with the process. I mean, wine drinking is fun. It's only not fun when you spend money on something you don't enjoy. So we said, you know, this is something where a recommendation engine is is sorely needed. And so I think, you know, one thing that's really worth emphasizing is we're not having critics offer their subjective feedback on these wines. We are seeding our machine learning algorithms with scientific data that is objective and very granular. So we have tested about 30,000 bottles of wine with a high-res accurate mass spectrometer. Yeah, 30,000 30, bottles of wine. Yes, yes. You guys have actually tested yourselves. We have in our laboratory in, in Wilmington, North Carolina. We have a, um, being from North Carolina, we have what we call our redneck wine cellar, which was three-quarters <laughs> of PVC pipe cut in little slots, and they are stacked floor-to-ceiling in a storage facility. And when we get wine in, when we get a big shipment in from a retailer, it goes into that storage facility, and then we test about 100 bottles a day and have been doing so for the last year and a half. And what are you looking for? So what we're looking for is really a DNA, if you will, of the wine, a, a chemical profile. So you know, each wine has thousands of compounds and several hundred that affect enjoyment. And some of those will be olfactory, some of those will be taste. And what we do is run each bottle through that mass spectrometer. Each run takes about 15 minutes. It goes through our instrument and then that instrument produces chromatograms which translate to thousands of rows of data. And we are looking for the presence of a certain compound and also the abundance. So, you know, to greatly oversimplify this, if you said, okay, this wine has sugar, well, how much? Because that matters, right? It doesn't matter that it just has that compound, but right. how much does it have? And so there are thousands of compounds that we are scanning for, and then we determine whether or not it is present, and then if it is, how abundant is that compound in the wine? And that creates a chemical profile. And we also, in addition to a broad scan, do some more targeted quantitation work also. This is something that the big wineries have done but it's more for quality assurance on their end. So they're using what I would call sort of the Honda of, of the scientific world to do their QA and QC. And we've got a you know Lamborghini or Ferrari, just a very powerful high-resolution instrument that we're using to test wines and beers with. So you're literally recording the DNA of the wine, and then if I like a particular wine and I give it a high score then you can find wines that have similar DNA and hook me up. 
Exactly, exactly. So if you think about Pandora, when you're rating songs, they're looking at 500 attributes. You know, we're looking at several thousand. And in Pandora, if they know, you know, you like this artist, you like this faster songs, you like a saxophone in the background, we're doing that, but with compounds. And so if you tell me you like wine A, well, we might have several hundred that might also interest you. And what's really interesting is this works across varietals. So we've been able to tell people who are not white wine drinkers what you know Pinot Grigio they might like most based on cabs or Pinot Noirs that they've rated. Wow, so amazing. We're talking to Trace Smith. He's the COO of Next Glass, a company that has produced an app that will allow you to record your opinions on whatever wines, and actually beers as well, right, Trace? Yes, wine. Wine. we started with wines, but we said, hey, this, this you know, why, why limit it just to wine drinkers? We should make this available for, for those who, who like beer as well. Heck yeah, wine drinkers and beer drinkers need to have something in common. Yeah, we can Might as well be your right? app. Yeah. All right, exactly. <laughs> wow. All right, we're going to come back in just a second and continue this. I have so many questions for you, honestly. This is so fascinating to me. And I can see also that the ramifications of the data that you're already collecting are just staggering because there's a lot you can do with this information. There is, there is. We've got you know nearly 300,000 users and over 4 million ratings so far. And, wow. Uh, and then all the, all the chemical and non-chemical data on each bottle that we've tested. So there is a lot of data. All right, we're talking to the big brother of the wine recommending uh, business. It's Next Glass. I meant that in a good way, by the way, Trace. No, I thank you. We, we'll take that. We've heard Watson. We've heard Pandora for alcohol. We'll, we'll take any of that in stride. Yeah, Pandora for alcohol, yes, or the Netflix of wine. All right. Well, so all we've got to do is produce our own house of cards in-house, right? Just make sure that you don't behave like Frank. Right. We, we, <laughs> we, we won't. We're, we're better behaved. All right. Okay. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters in just a second as we continue our conversation on the Next Glass Wine app. We're talking to... Trace Smith, he's the COO of Next Glass. Trace Smith, COO of the company. Connecting winemakers, wine lovers, wine adventures, and all things wine from around the globe. You are listening to Grape Encounters Radio with David Wilson, broadcasting from our wine cellar studio in idyllic Atascadero, centrally located in the Central Coast wine country of San Luis Obispo County, California. like to talk about wine we're all guilty of sin we open a costly bottle of wine and recork it with the intent of drinking the rest later but later comes and goes and that delicious wine also goes south that is the coravin is the most reliable way to enjoy your wine without any concern about the unconsumed wine going bad And while the Coravin Wine Access System costs a bit more than other preservation systems, it does something they don't. It works perfectly. The Coravin is a beautifully engineered handheld device that gives you access to your wine through a small needle that you gently push straight through the cork. Inert argon gas is injected into the bottle, while as little or as much of the wine that you want flows right into your glass. The argon gas keeps your wine so safe, it's as though you never opened the bottle. Want to learn more? Simply click the Coravin link online at GrapeEncounters.com. A wine is a terrible thing to waste. 
Get your Coravin at GrapeEncounters.com. A lot of people ask me why Manzanita Manor's incredible Portuguese dessert wine is called Two Horse. Well, the reason behind the name is as extraordinary as the wine itself. It's because the owner and winemaker at Manzanita Manor Organics actually uses two beautiful horses to pull the plow on her farmland. When you take your very first sip of the Two Horse Vineyard's irresistible dessert wine, you'll immediately experience the winemaker's unparalleled connection to the land. It's what really makes it so good. You can purchase this exceptional wine online, as well as their purely delicious walnut oil, 100% organic heirloom walnuts, and free trade chocolate-covered walnuts. To learn more about all the Manzanita Manor Organics products, visit mmorganics.com. You can order all their walnut products there, and bottles of two horse, of course. Purchase and shipping subject to state and local regulations. Please see mmorganics.com for more information. There's only so much wine you can drink. And now, Grape Encounters with David Wilson continues. In one line. But it will never be enough. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking to myself, this might be the single greatest revolution in the wine world, and yet it's probably not on most people's radar. Hopefully it's going to be on a lot more people's radar after our doing this story and, of course, all the other publicity that they're probably getting at this point. The application is Next Glass. My guest is Trace Smith. He's the COO of Next Glass. And imagine this. They're hauling in, I guess the plan is, all the wines of the world, and they're analyzing these wines for hundreds of attributes, if not thousands, and using that data to help us choose our next glass of wine or our next bottle of wine because if they know what we like, then they can go to this massive database and very quickly find things that fit that profile that we have, in a very simple way, created for them. Is that about right, Trace? Yeah, you, you nailed it. And um, you said, can you envision bringing all this wine in? One thing that might bring a, uh, a tear to your eye is we only test about five microliters of each bottle. So there's, there's not much that we're using. So we, we can't resell it because it's been tampered with. So we, we do our best to give it away to charity. And it's a, it's a big perk for employees. Well, I, I hope you're using a Coravin. Uh, you know what? We have an industrial strength Coravin that we use. And then for the screw caps, we're able to pump nitrogen back in. We actually started with the Coravin. It's a great product. We love it. But when you're doing hundreds of bottles every day, that nitrogen gets pretty expensive. Now, do you have to pay for these bottles or do you swap a report out to the winemakers in exchange for the wine for research purposes? Right. So initially we paid for every bottle in the first year. And then yeah. after we launched and we generated some publicity, Apple featured us in the app store. We got a ton of downloads and we kind of got on people's radars. We started having more and more wineries and breweries reach out to us and, and send us beer and wine. We still buy a good amount. And then we work with, with our partners and, and big retailers who like what we're doing, and, and they're able to give us you know, some pretty generous discounts. So it's a hair above wholesale, but not much. So we're not spending full retail on, on 30,000 bottles of wine, or we need to raise some more money. Now, will you readily provide that data to the people who send you the wine? So we don't right now. That's something that we've talked about doing, um, like a business product where we can you know, compare your wine to others or, or show you 
you know, where it might be uh, a popular in whether it be geography or, or demographics. You know, your wine might be popular in the Midwest with 21 to 34-year-old males. We know the answers to those questions. It's just how do you anonymize the data in a way to protect our users and, you know, help these wineries and breweries gain some insight to ultimately, I mean, our goal is make this a more enjoyable experience for all. And so if they can think about how they produce their products in a smarter and more intelligent fashion, or if a restaurant can curate its um, wine menu in a fashion that makes for better selections or options for consumers, or a retailer can offer discounts to a customer based on his or her favorites or his or her palate, we think that you know all benefits ultimately the consumer. The implications are totally amazing here because I can see where winemakers could actually use this information in wine blending. My head is spinning right now. I think the more important question is not what to do, it's what not to do. There's a lot of opportunities for us out there with all the data and the, uh, you know, the great relationships that we've formed in the seven months since we've launched. And so it, it's really filtering through and saying, okay, which of these opportunities is, is worth pursuing and will be most impactful in this industry? Well, I think, you know, you're starting where it matters most, which is with the consumer. And especially when it comes to wine. I mean, how many times has somebody said to you, Trace, I don't like red wine. And then you find out they've had 10 glasses of red wine in their entire life and maybe never tried a Syrah or never tried a Cabernet or whatever. They only think they don't like it because they've uh, not experienced wines that had the kind of profile that they were going to love. And I think this just makes it so easy to pair people with wines that are going to work for them. Because if you just go randomly into a big wine store like Total Wines and More or BevMo on the West Coast, you're going to find that if you randomly just buy the wines, you're going to probably dislike 8 out of 10. Oh, I mean, we, we've got data around that. We did some, um, I mean, obviously before we raised, raised capital and launched the company, uh, we did double-blind tasting trials and put an early prototype of our, our recommendation algorithm with about 100 bottles that we tested. And what we saw is it wasn't quite 8 out of 10, but it wasn't far off. A person who said they liked cabs or said they liked Pinot Noirs given a Pinot Noir a cab at random, did not like those bottles um, nearly two-thirds of the time. Yeah, it's amazing. And our recommendation algorithm then was we were able to make a positive recommendation nearly 85% of the time, and that was with a very rudimentary system. And so that's when that was really the genesis of this idea. I mean, what you described, you know, buying a wine that you don't like and, and not thinking you like wine is not far from how this started. Kurt, or our CEO, and, and my good friend, he was out to dinner with his father, and they had a sommelier recommend them a bottle of wine that they didn't like. And it wasn't corked. There was nothing wrong with it. It just didn't suit their palate. And they said, wow, you know, how often do you have access to a sommelier? I mean, mo most wine drinkers are in a situation, you know, on a nightly or even a weekly basis where they're going to a restaurant with a sommelier or a wine store with a, you know, an owner or, or someone in the store that can help them pick wine and, and knows their palate. And they said, you know, how do you alleviate this problem? And that was the spawn of the, of the idea was that experience. Well, the problem is that no matter how hard we try, those of us who are immersed in the wine business still tend to recommend the wines that we like. And it's very difficult to empathize with somebody and their tastes when you have completely different taste. And if you don't believe that, consider the neighborhood where somebody moves in and they paint their house bright pink. And everybody goes, what are they thinking? I'll tell you what they're thinking. They're thinking they love pink houses. And, yeah. and we don't. Yeah, I've got a grandmother, and you know, we all we're big cab, cab drinkers in in my family, and she insists on the eight dollar rosé, 
uh, from the grocery store, and she can't be told otherwise. But you know what? If that's what she enjoys and that's what makes her experience uh, with wine a good one, more power to her. Let's help her find some other rosés that she'll like. There you go. Okay. So anyway, now I'm recording my preferences, and I don't really have to think about it, right? No, you don't. All you're telling us is uh, is how much you like it on a one to four star scale. Yay or nay. So yeah, it's it's you know Pandora's thumbs up or thumbs down. We're a star system. You don't have to record any tasting notes if you're unsure. All we have to know is whether you like it or not. And if you can give us, you know, three to four things you like and one or two you don't, that's enough to seed your profile to where we can recommend you other wines or beers that you're certain to enjoy. I'm totally confused, though, because now let's say I love Sauvignon Blanc, I love Petite Syrah, I love certain rosés, three wines that are completely different. Will your research potentially find the common denominator between wines that are that diverse and maybe help me to understand other types of varietals that I had never even considered before? Yes, it will. I mean, I I think more what it's doing is it's looking at those wines and saying, okay, what is it that David or any other user likes about these wines? Is there a certain chemical profile that he likes in a Sauvignon Blanc or in a Petit Sarai, and what overlap is there? And based off of that, the machine learning, which is really deep learning, no human could do this, but the machine learning is smart enough to intuit you know, well, based on the Petit Syrah and the Sauvignon Blanc that he likes, this cab should also kind of suit his palate. Wow. That's a huge wow. The application is Next Glass. My guest is Trace Smith. He's the COO of Next Glass. We'll be back in just a second with more Grape Encounters after this. Unpretentious, unconventional, and uncorked. This is Grape Encounters Radio. If you'd like to hear more no-nonsense talk about wine and all the fun that goes with it, check out winetalkshow.com. At winetalkshow.com, you'll find a massive library of content for fun-loving, unpretentious people who aren't afraid to step outside the lines and challenge conventional wisdom. We'll take you places you've never been before. That's a promise. Expand your wine horizons in unimaginable ways at winetalkshow.com. Nestled between world-class Paso Robles and San Luis Obispo wine countries, the warm and inviting city of Atascadero is the humble heart of the Central Coast. With access to endless wine country adventures, including wine and olive oil tasting tours, artisan farm experiences, food, wine, and cultural events, historic Atascadero's cozy and oh-so-friendly atmosphere make it the perfect home base for Central Coast tourists. Discover more about the heart of the Central Coast at visitatascadero.com. We're all guilty of sin. We open a costly bottle of wine and recork it with the intent of drinking the rest later. But later comes and goes, and that delicious wine also goes. South, that is. The Coravin is the most reliable way to enjoy your wine without any concern about the unconsumed wine going bad. And while the Coravin costs a little bit more than other preservation systems, it does something they don't. It works. The Coravin is a beautifully engineered handheld device that gives you access to your wine through a small needle that you gently push straight through the cork. Argon gas is injected into the bottle, while as little or as much of the wine you want flows right into your glass. The argon gas keeps your wine so safe, it's as though you never opened the bottle. Want to learn more? Click the Coravin link at GrapeEncounters.com. A wine is a terrible thing to waste. Get your Coravin at GrapeEncounters.com. 
Grape Encounters Radio is always on the lookout for great story ideas, even if they're completely and totally off the wall. So here's the deal. Share your story ideas with me or send a question you'd like to hear answered on the show. If I use your question or suggestion, I'll send you a special gift from EpicStyle.com. I want to know what you want to know. You can contact me on the Grape Encounters Radio group page on Facebook or email David at GrapeEncountersRadio.com. If you've got something for me, I've got something for you. Now, back to Grape Encounters with David Wilson. A bottle of red, a bottle of white. It all depends upon your appetite. I'll meet you anytime you want in our Italian red. And we are back with Grape Encounters Radio. And if you're somebody who goes into a restaurant or a wine bar and is often disappointed by the recommendations the sommelier, the waiter, or whoever has made to you, then you're going to be thrilled about the wine app called Next Glass. We're talking to Trey Smith, COO of the company. Okay, so to very simply go through it then, I get the app. When I buy a bottle of wine or I go to a store and I order a glass of wine or whatever, I just rate it. Right. So the first thing we do is we put you through a little onboarding process. Um, So if you think like Pandora, the first time you use it, you have to do thumbs up or thumbs down on a song. We present to you um, a catalog of of wines and beers. It's it's, it's basically like Tinder. You actually just swipe through and you wait till you find one that you recognize. And they're very popular things that most people have had at the front. And you just provide us um, ratings on up to five uh, wines and beers. And then we let you through to the app. But we, we need a little bit of information. But there's not much friction. I mean, some people, though, when they get to that onboarding, they've rated you know, 500 or more beers and wines right off the bat, which is interesting. Um, really? But yeah, you, you, you go ahead and you do that for us. And then once you're in the app, you can actually um, snap a picture of the label. We'll recognize it and give you your score for that bottle. You can also explore by varietal, um, and we're adding other filters soon, like region, um, price. And then you can obviously just search, use a basic test or text search function to find, uh, find the bottle in question also. Wow. What if I am a person who drinks a broad range of wines and I'm looking for a wine for a specific event or purpose, how can you help me there? So I think one way that we can help you is most people who are looking for wines for a specific event or purpose are are trying to help their friends, right? Most people um, with our app can find something they like, but how do you find something for, say, like a dinner party or um, a cocktail party that that your friends are going to enjoy? And we can actually let you merge your profile um, with, with friends and say, okay, which bottle will be most amenable to, you know, this group of people? Um, so we can wow. give you a score on a wine for you, your spouse, and a friend. Um, you know, if you're out to dinner with a with a you know another couple, um, it, it's a great resource. And so we can help you do that. Now, if you said, okay, I want to find a you know a smattering of everything for a for a bigger party, you could look through and and search by varietal, and you can have you know an infinite number of friends added, and then you just add them to that search and say, okay, can I can I locate something? everyone will enjoy to make sure you've got at least one bottle for for everyone at the event. 
Okay, and I live here on the central coast in California. If I'm looking for wine that might have limited accessibility, let's just say that, right? would I be able to designate a region that I want the wine from that meets my particular taste profile? So right now you can't filter by geography. You will be able to do that um, in a future release, hopefully sometime over the summer. Um, but you can, um, I mean, if there are multiple wines, or let's say, you know, some, some wineries have multiple vineyards, I mean, we, we display that information. It's the unique wine. But you can't filter by geography as of now, but that's functionality that we'll, we'll add in, future, uh, in a future release. Wow, this is so cool. I love this because I'll tell you, as educated as I might be about wine, I still buy a lot of wine I don't like. And anything that's going to help me hedge that bet, uh, more power to it. I tell you, that sounds wonderful. If somebody wanted to see a demo of the app, is it better just to just download it? Or is there a demo online that they can look at? Or how do we Um, do that? So you can go to our website, which is www.nextglass.co. Um, or you can just Google us. I mean, around launch, we were profiled in CNN, Esquire, CNBC, you name it, and there's any number of, of pictures or demos or explanations there. But nextclass.co is a good place where you could YouTube us. There's some videos there. In fact, there's one video up of our laboratory where you can actually see those beers and wines um, being run through our, our mass spectrometer and, and through the lab. Okay. And, and as you get more of this wine in and you need to get rid of the stuff that's coming in-house... I'm going to give you my address offline. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Well, David, we have a 20-foot box truck. Um, You know, it's interesting. Wines, it's very regional. Beer is hyper-local. Like, there are, you know, thousands of beers in Portland that don't make it outside of the Oregon area. And so we bought a 20-foot box truck that toured around the country, stopped at 55 of the best bottle shops in 35 cities and bought beer. And so... Uh, those guys are going to head back to the West Coast at some point this summer um, to buy more beer. And what we'll do is we'll, uh, we'll have them unload half of their, their payload in California, which will be wine for you that we've tested, and then we'll, that'll create space for more beer on the way back. How's awesome. Uh, you, you know what? Don't tempt a guy like that. <laughs> well, we, we'd be happy, happy to do it. Wonderful. I'll run it through the, uh, the old manual testing system that I have here. Uh, it, it can be reliable. Oh, I tell you, it's uh, it served me well up to this point. Hey, well, listen, Trace, so nice to have you on. I really appreciate it and uh, would really love to do more with you guys. I think it would be really fun to get some listeners going on this app and then, you know, kind of just check and see how well it's doing for them. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, feel free to reach out. You can, if there's wines that we've missed, you can report um, that to the app, and we'll be sure to get it and test it. I mean, we've tested most everything, but there are some things we miss. If it's really, really small production, we just haven't been able to get our hands on it. Yeah. Or you can reach out to us with a uh, with comments, obviously in the app store, um, in Google Play, or or straight through the app. So if there's suggestions, um, I mean, that's the greatest thing about having users is. You know, we built the app the way that we thought people would like it. And then, you know, we heard, hey, there's some things that you missed here. And, and we're doing our best to sort of accommodate our users and make it as useful a tool as, as possible. Well, I mean, I've seen some very interesting apps out there. But you guys really went to the wall on this one because this was a labor-intensive project for sure. I mean, it is, obviously. Oh, we've been working on it for, I mean, 
started putting pen to paper, I guess, almost three years ago, and we've been testing. I mean, we did a year and a half, basically, of testing beers and wines before we launched. Wow. And you guys are all wine lovers or beer lovers or both Uh, lovers? You know, the office splits. Um, I like beer and wine. Kurt, our CEO, is, I think, maybe more of a wine guy. Um, a lot of our developers are, are more beer guys. Um, everyone that works in the lab and gets to handle uh, both products enjoys both, which is which is a good thing, I think. Um, so it, it splits both ways. I think we all, you know, we're trying to learn as much as we can about, you know, beer and wine. So no one is a. Uh, no one is totally averse to either, um, but we definitely have some people that lean lean one way or the other a little bit more. All right. Hey, well, listen, uh, it's a completely, I was going to say completely non-subjective application, but maybe one of the least subjective ways to choose wine that I can possibly think of because the only subjectivity is you deciding whether or not you like something. Exactly. After that, you know, you're not relying upon anybody's opinion. And Lord knows, I've read some amazing reviews for wines that ended up being a, a stinker on my palate. Yeah. So, so it's, it, it's like the old Burger King commercials. Have it your way. Uh, the only person I trust is me. <laughs> uh, hey, that's the way it should be. I just unfortunately there are some wines I don't know why I like them. You know. <laughs> well, the thing with the thing with your palate is that you're never wrong, right? Yeah. Exactly. And your palate, and your palate also changes, you know, depending upon you know what you had for lunch and how much sleep you got. So, it's not a perfect science, but boy, you guys are getting us very close, Trace. Trace Smith, the COO of Next Glass, and uh, check it out. It's a free app. You can do this instead of watching TV tonight, and it's a better use of your time. And think of how much money you'll save. All right. Hey, Trace, thanks a lot for being on. I I so appreciate it. And I I am now going to dive in with passion and play with my copy of Next Glass. Well, please give us your thoughts. And, uh, you know, we we love to hear from our users. So thanks for the time, David. I really appreciate Uh, it. You're more than welcome. Thanks very much. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. Connecting winemakers, wine lovers, wine adventures, and all things wine from around the globe. You are listening to Grape Encounters Radio with David Wilson, broadcasting from our wine cellar studio in idyllic Atascadero, centrally located in the Central Coast wine country of San Luis Obispo County, California. What a way to spend the day. a thirst for wine knowledge, be it trivia or the latest trends, there's a website that's overflowing with content that we've created just for you. It's GrapeEncounters.com, where you'll find literally hundreds upon hundreds of stories and interviews covering almost every topic imaginable. From the world's most colorful and renowned winemakers to unforgettable wine adventures, there's something for every wine lover at GrapeEncounters.com. Go ahead, log on, uncork, pour, swirl, and sip. As a grape encounterist, you know how much fun an hour of conversation about wine can be each week. But there's no way we can pack everything into a show. Listeners just like you are turning the Grape Encounters Radio Facebook group into an incredible online community where like-minded wine lovers converse, share information, and inspire each other with posts on a variety of interesting topics. If you haven't discovered your community, join in today on Facebook by entering Grape Encounters Radio. If you love wine, then you probably love to travel, too. 
And there are two places you should really visit soon. The best part is you don't even have to pack a bag or leave your house. If you're looking for adventures and wine, log on to GrapeEncounters.com. There you'll find an audio library of more than 300 stories that will take you virtually anywhere you want to go. At GrapeEncounters.com, you'll find short subjects as well as full stories. All audio can be downloaded with one click and you'll be amazed at the broad range of subject matter. Another place you really should visit is our Facebook group page. Simply search for Grape Encounters Radio or click on the link on our website. The Grape Encounters Radio Group has become a formidable place for wine lovers to exchange ideas, introduce products, and share upcoming events. If you're not already a group member, then join the party on Facebook. Grape Encounters is more than a radio broadcast. It's a family of like-minded, fun-loving, unpretentious wine lovers. Come fill up your glass today. She's earthy, honest, and sipping each week as a service to you. From Sunset Magazine, it's Sarah Schneider. This is Sipping with Sarah on Grape Encounters Radio. Where's the core for the wine, wine bottle? It must have been mislaid. And the red wine just can't be found. It can't be far away. And we're back with Grape Encounters Radio, and it is time now for Sipping with Sarah. And Sarah, I wanted to sip some wines that we don't sip very often on Grape Encounters Radio, though I do, whenever I get the occasion, talk about two varietals that I think are going to be big. And now that I also operate a wine tasting bar, I'm really seeing that I might be right about this. I'll bet you can do a lot of market research in that tasting room. I do so much market research. You should come do market research with me. I would love to be a fly on the wall. It's a dirty job, but somebody's got to do it. (laughs) I love doing market research with listeners. Interesting. But but by the end of the night, I'm just done. (laughs) All right. So you want to take a shot at what you think may be the up-and-coming varietals are. I'm not talking about new wines we've never heard of. I'm talking about wines poised to do great things. Sort of coming out of the woodwork. Well, when you first said new varieties, the one that popped into my mind was actually Tempranillo, which is a grape from Spain and it's being grown a lot in California and Washington. See, this is something I hear people say a lot about winemakers. I'll hear this phrase a lot. I love their Tempranillo. Mm -hmm. I also hear, I love their Sangiovese. Oh, interesting. Those two almost side by side. This is not sophisticated scientific research. I'm just saying I hear (laughs) those phrases a lot. Interesting. And that Sangio is interesting to me, too, because it's been grown here for a long, long time, but it actually hasn't been very good. So people weren't just falling in love with Sangiovese from the West Coast. Well, I didn't necessarily say it was from the West Coast. I just said they like the Sangiovese. (laughs) All right. Might have been from Italy. But anyway, those are two that they talk about. But the two that I like to talk about, well, I'm not going to say my two. Forget it. It's your (laughs) turn. So Tempranillo for you. Okay. Any others? I have two that I would go to. The first one is Grenache, I think is coming out from behind Syrah, which was the main red roan grape here for a long time. So I think Grenache is standing on its own more. But Actually, I'm... Grenache is, I think, getting a helping hand from Syrah because uh, I think that GSMs are quickly becoming as popular as Bordeaux blends. And for those who don't know what I'm saying when I say GSM, that's Grenache. Grenache, Syrah, Moved, or Movedra. So we're seeing so much of that now with some other stuff splashed into it. That's true. By the way. That's true. So anyway, you think Grenache? I would say Grenache. Yeah. Do you think Grenache is going to be more popular than Syrah? 
I actually do, and I think that depends on whether it gets planted more than it is now. I think it is more understandable to most people than Syrah. I think it has an alluring, come-hither sort of fruit quality to it, whereas Syrah can be a little bit more austere and meaty and smoky and herbal. And See, Grenache and Syrah kind of remind me of the three bears. <laughs> You know, it's like one's one bed's too hard, one's too soft, one's too hot, one's too cold. They're almost opposite ends of the spectrum, which is why you blend them together and then it's just right. They and, help each other And the out. baby yeah. bear is so happy, although the baby bear is not old enough to drink. So what's the splash that you're thinking is the Petite Syrah, next new? Aha. Which has nothing to do with Syrah. It well, doesn't. you know, they're like remote cousins. Like they're the cousin that shows up at a wedding of a family member and you haven't seen that cousin in a really, really long time. You really <laughs> don't like that cousin that much, but they just kind of show up and you go, oh, how have you been? Anyway, Petite Syrah is getting very good indeed. You know, I agree with you. Now that you mention it, I think Petite Syrah is sort of differentiating itself from Syrah. People got them confused for a long time. And if they didn't love Syrah, then they just didn't even pay attention to Petite Just newsflash out there, they're not even spelled the same. Exactly. <laughs> but it's so confusing because the name is just wrong. It's not Syrah, for one thing. It is, like you said, different variety, although genetically related. And it's not little. The Petite just completely does it a disservice. It's, Another it's news a flash, big bruiser. The, the grape is little. Yeah. But then so is that vial of nitroglycerin. <laughs> Petite Syrah is sort of the two by four upside your head of wine grapes, I think. Is that a bad analogy? Well, I, I like put some velvet on it on the lawn. A velvet two by four. <laughs> First of all, it's not that easy to find, but if you see it, buy it. Because my experience is people who make Petite Syrah generally know how to make Petite Syrah. Because they are really figuring it out. You know, it's not something you wander into aimlessly. And that's a real generalization. Is that fair? No, I think it's very fair because Petite Syrah, if it's not handled and managed, it, it can have tannins that really do knock you up a side of the head. Um, but with a velvet two by four. With a velvet two by four. But winemakers are figuring it out. And even the original two wineries that come to mind that really are responsible for our having Petite Syrah is Con Cannon, for one, in Livermore. Yeah. And Stag's Leap Winery in Napa. You know, it's a beautiful wine. The other beautiful wine, also petite, that's not petite. When we say petite, it's sort of like an elephant in ballet shoes. Petite Verdot. Well, there you go. Another petite. Little grape, big wine. Big wine. No, it's more like big wine. <laughs> and I can't do that. You can screw up Petite Verdot. And a lot of people will don't want anything to do with Petite Verdot because it can be very nasty if it's not made right. Yeah, if you've had a bad experience, there's your association and you can't get rid of it. When it's bad, it's very, very bad. I have a really good friend who's a winemaker and he makes some very wonderful wines, but he makes a terrible Petite Verdot. <laughs> He and will remain nameless. He, yeah, I got it. He <laughs> listens to this show, but he might figure this out, come to think of it. I don't really care. Maybe this is the way to cue him in that he needs to get his Petit Verdot together. But he gave my wife and I a bottle of Petit Verdot, and we opened it up one night, and oh my gosh, it was just atrocious. We were getting ready to dump the bottle down the sink, and then I said, wait a second, and I went over to the cabinet and I got some sugar out. And I, <laughs> no, seriously, I put a teaspoon of sugar because it helps the medicine go down and fixed it right up. It's, You're a rebel. Well, that's fine. <laughs> you know what? What's better, pouring wine down the drain or putting a teaspoon of sugar in it? I'd go for the sugar. You know, you can do that kind of thing. There is no such thing as petite Bordeaux police. Really? <laughs> 
as we hear the sirens in the background. Yeah. (laughs) So somebody could go on to the Sunset Magazine website and look up Petite Verdots and Petite Syrahs and see which ones won medals. If you go to our website and look up the Sunset International Wine Competition, that will take you actually to a PDF that lists medals and you can search it by varietal. varietal. And that would be a good thing to do, I think. I think that in the not too distant future, we're going to see a lot more Petite Syrah. They got to plant the stuff first. True. True. That takes a while. Yeah. There's sort of a tool-up period in the wine business. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's going to do it for Grape Encounters today and Sipping with Sarah. We'll catch you next week, and hopefully next week we'll be sipping with Sarah a little bit of Grenache, Syrah, and Petite Syrah. We can do that. Today's edition of Grape Encounters is over, but we're always as close as the World Wide Web. So keep a corkscrew near your computer and enjoy your favorite wine while exploring the day-to-day world of Grape Encounters. Then we'll meet you back here next week, same time, and the next delicious wine.